So if you have God's word, I want to invite you to be ready. We're going to be looking at a few different scriptures. And, uh, you know, I, I want to start by th- saying this. Um, Matthew 6.33 is one of the verses, by the way. You have that on the bulletin. But I, I want to start by saying this first, and that is the most natural thing in the world is the desire to be connected. I mean, I understand there are people that, you know, are extroverts and there are people that are introverts. In fact, raise your hand if you're an introvert here this morning. I wonder how many people consider themselves introverts. And I understand that even though that we're introverts, that there's still, there's at some level, there's a desire that we are connected to other human beings. And it's just kind of a neat thing in the way that God created us. Uh, Heidi and I was hiking the other day. We live uh, on Deerfield just off the Mission Gorge Road. And in fact, our house, we go down one block, turn left, cross Mission Gorge, cross the street, and we're right there in a parking lot, and we can start our hike. So we don't have to drive to go hiking. And so the other day, we had left the house, walked down the one block, turned left, went across Mission Gorge, and we hiked up. We hiked up about two miles into the hills, and then we hiked back, and it ends up being quite a hike. Well, that day, we didn't hike quite two miles, maybe half the way. And then we came back. We decided to hike around the hill there. Uh, the hill where the visitor center is, you know that on the, the back side there or on that other side, that east side of the, the mountain there. And so we did the long hike, came back down, went around the mountain, went to the visitor center. And for some reason, I just really pooped. I was worn out. And I, I walked into the visitor center. Heidi went to go to the restroom. And I went over the couch. And the couch was positioned in such a way that you could just see the mountains. I mean, the hills there. It was a beautiful view. And there was some stuff there. Somebody had left like a water bottle, a towel maybe for his face and some tennis shoes. And so he was obviously coming back. But I just went ahead and sat down. I was tired. And I sat down. And and uh, and then pretty soon in a few minutes, this man comes and he sits beside me. Now, you know, I'm really there's not like a big ending to the story. But the fact is that we just kind of immediately got connected. What happens? He sits down and he gives me the man nod, you know. And then I kind of give him the man nod, you know, and, and then he 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 kind of says something. I say something and and pretty soon we find out I'm a pastor. I've been here a year and and then he's been here for like three or four years. They moved here because of his grandkids. He's about five years my elder. And pretty soon he's telling me about where to eat. He's telling me what beaches to walk on. And he's talking about going to this this uh, little lunch place up in the mountains on hills. It's a winery and you get lunch and wine and all this stuff. And you can see the view of the bay. And I mean, we're just connecting all over the place. And like I said, we're really not going anywhere on the story. But the fact is that we were just connecting. My wife walks up. She sees that we're not going to stop talking. We're talking like a couple of women, I guess. And we're just. And so my wife, she turns around, goes the other direction, and we just keep talking. I mean, we're connecting all over the place. There, there's just something about it. God created us in such a way that connection, it, it, it's kind of a big deal. It, it really is. And, and, and thinking about, you know, connecting and an affection like touch, I came across this interesting uh, uh, little ditty about 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 connecting, about affection. And science proves that affection that is wanted causes the release of oxytocin or oxy. Yeah, oxytocin. It causes the release of oxytocin. It helps to nurture feelings of trust and connectedness. And it also reduces cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So, in other words, scientifically, it's been proven that, you know, a good long 20-second hug, it does something. It, it affects us. And, and there's this need for, for connection. And there's something to it, I believe, in a world in which we're living that's full of cell phones and androids and iPads. 
And there's so much connection going on, but yet there's so much disconnection going on. My wife and I were in a restaurant the other day, and I said, look at this, honey. And there were seven tables around us, and there were people at every table. And every person at every table, every person at every table were looking at their device and not talking to each other. I read a book by a sociologist, and the sociologist was talking about the dark times, the silent period, which is about a thousand years between 300 A.D., the beginning of the Dark Ages, 300 A.D. to about 1300 A.D., saying that there were hardly any advances that was made in any area of mankind. It was kind of the silent period, and so it was kind of a time of digression in, in, in the sociological realm, and, and that now that even though today... Even though today we have more technology than we've ever had before, he proposes that we are now in a time of digression, sociologically digression, and that we are now learning ourselves or moving ourselves out of the the art of really being able to be connected with each other. I mean, this is something. I mean, this is something to talk about. I mean, how how do we stay connected? It's 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 the most natural thing in the world. I, I love the story I heard just recently at a wedding. It's a story about a little boy that was five years old. And uh, he made a pronouncement to his father. He said, Dad, he said, I think I'm going to get married because I found somebody that I love. Five-year-old boy. And so the dad's looking at his paper. He said, oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I know that I'm in love and I know that she loves me. Well, how do you know that, son? Five-year-old. He says, well, because she takes care of me and she feeds me and I just know that she loves me, so I think we should get married. And his dad puts his paper down and says, well, who do you think you're going to marry? And the five-year-old little boy says, I'm going to marry Grandma. <laughs> dad said, well, you can't do that. Well, why? Well, you know, it's just not done. Well, why? Well, because, you know, you're not supposed to marry, you know, within the family. The little boy's sinking a little bit. The wheels are turning. And he says, well... He says, you married mom, and that worked out okay. Why can't I marry your mom? <laughs> I love it. You know, you know being connected, it's the, it's the most natural thing in the world. So if, if our creator, God who created us and loves us, and he created us in such a way that there's this need for us to be connected to each other, then does it not stand to reason, especially as we look at the word of God, does it not stand to reason that God desires to be connected with his creation, that God desires to be connected with us? So the question that I ask, which is a very simple question, is how do we get connected with God? In fact, as I, I speak about this this morning, I, 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 need to, I need to say to you that this will probably be the most Simple message, the most simple sermon that you've ever heard in all of your life, because it's a really simple concept. And is this that God desires to be connected with you? Did you know that? So how do we get connected with God? I mean, that's the question. And there's a few responses I want to share with you this morning. So just bear with me. The first way is this. Here's how we get connected with God. The first way is seek him out. Say that with me out loud. Seek him out. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it's no surprise. We read there, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. So the, the step is if we want to be connected with God is to seek God out. But first we need to know that God, by the way, God is already seeking you out. God is already seeking you and God desires to be involved in your life and he is whether you know it or not. Amen. God desires to bless you. In fact, if I, I were to be honest with you, I, I would tell you the, the good news that God has a gift for you. Did you know that? 
God wants to gift you. He wants to bless your life. And you say, well, pastor, how does God want to gift me? He wants to gift you by giving to you his Holy Spirit. And I think that sometimes we talk all around that and we we theologize and we intellectualize and we do all kinds of things. But we forget the fact and the simple reality that God wants to give his spirit to us. Amen. And we miss it because maybe we resist it. Maybe we're not listening or whatever the case is. But the gift that he has is for you. It's for every one of you. God wants to give you his Holy Spirit. Amen. He wants to live in you and he wants to fill you and he wants to bless you and he wants to sanctify you. God really does. Amen. He wants to gift you with his Holy Spirit. What is the second thing? If we're connecting with God in this way, the second thing is this. Know this. That God has a calling for your life. Did you know that? God has a calling for your life. And I know the enemy wants to whisper really sweet nothings in your ear and try to convince you that, that you know, that's for pastors or that's for, you know, people that are in full-time ministry or however you want to reason it out. But, folks, the enemy does not want you to know, teenagers, the enemy does not want you to know that God has a plan for your life. He, he has a plan for your life. He has called you. He's called all believers. And he has a special plan for you. And God wants you to know that. He not only wants to be in your life, but he has a plan and a call for your life. Amen. Do you think the Apostle Paul... When he was writing the epistles and he had gone through all the shipwrecks and he had been beaten and he was in prison. Do you think the Apostle Paul was writing those epistles and he was thinking to himself, you know what? I bet I'm going to affect all of humanity by writing these letters. I don't think so at all. I think Paul probably thought that he was insignificant. He was just wanting to be obedient to God. He was just wanting to do what God had called him to. But God had a call upon his life. And as God has a call upon the life of the Apostle Paul, God has a call for your life. Amen. You want to be connected with God, seek him out and God will speak. I'll never forget the blessing of growing up at Nampa First Church of the Nazarene. And there was an associate pastor there by the name of uh, Pastor Vernon Wilcox. He was an associate pastor and he 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 kind of watched me, watched my life. And I accepted a call to preach when I was 15 years of age. And so I sat in the front and took notes. And then I began to attend Northwest Nazarene University. But I was like anybody else. I had my ups and downs in life. But what really sustained me sometimes were the words that, that Pastor Wilcox shared with me. Every once in a while, while I was in college, Vernon Wilcox would stop me in the hallway. And he'd simply look at me. First, he'd say, how are you doing? And then he'd say, remember this. He'd say, Tony, remember this. If God has called you to be a pastor, don't stoop to be a king. And I had to process that. I I had to kind of carry that with me for a while to realize that God had a calling on my life. And, And if I am able to say anything to you this morning congregation and young people is that God has a calling upon your life. I believe that. You see, the temptation is that we chase other things. The temptation is that the enemy says, well, there's something better. There's something other. Well, folks, there is a call of God upon your life. How do you get connected with God? Seek him out because he's already seeking you out. That's the first thing. The second thing is now listen to this. Hang in there. The second thing is meditate on. On the word of God. 
How do you get connected with God? Meditate on the word. In fact, go to Psalm chapter 1, looking at verse 1 through 2, if you have the word with you. Let's all turn there together this morning. Go to Psalm chapter 1. And we're not going to read that specifically in its entirety, but I, I want to pull out a couple things, a couple phrases, and we can just kind of walk together and just unpack it a little bit as we look at Psalm chapter 1 uh, there beginning at verse 1. The first thing that I see there, the first thing that I want to mention is it, it, it tells us to delight. To delight in the law of, of the Lord or to delight in the law of the word. What is the law of the Lord? It is the word of God. And to delight in the law of the Lord, it is not a, a surface emotion. And we had some theologians in our first service and I know they could theologize and I know they could give us kind of a Greek understanding of really what this is saying. But, but, but the simple idea is this. That when we delight in the law of the Lord, it is not just a happy moment. It's not just a, a surface emotion, but it is something that is, that is coming from the inside, something that we have internalized. That when we read the truth of the word of God, that it gives us balance and direction for life. Amen. And I don't know if you need balance and direction. I know that I do. I know that I need direction in life. And when we look at the word of God, it becomes our delight. The law of the Lord becomes our delight because it begins to bring balance and direction in life that we need. And, and then it goes on to say it's this knowledge, the knowledge of the word that will help the righteous be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Now, I lived in Tennessee for 10 years. We raised our kids there. And, and they have little streams there that are only about six feet wide and maybe a foot and a half deep. And then we have what they call gully washers. It's a flash flood and the rains come, and the storm blows, and all of a sudden the stream that was just maybe this deep and six feet wide, all of a sudden it is a torrent. And it's 50 feet wide and it's 20 feet deep and it's, it's just ripping down the canyons. And I've seen trees that have been, you know, pushed over because the roots have been eroded. But yet the trees hang on and they're there in the bank and they're rooted deep and still they curve and they grow up towards the sunlight. And the, the leaves are still green. Why? Because they are rooted deep by the streams of living water. Folks, that is what the word of God is to us. Amen. It is our delight and it is our root and it gives us the strength that God desires for us to have as his children. Meditate. That's the challenge. Meditate on the word of God. And then what does the rest of the passage say? It talks about the word becoming our counsel. Listen to that. It's becoming our counsel. So we have some action words here. And really the etymology of or the study of that word counsel, it is is idea that it is a word or the word becomes the kind of thing that affects our plan and opinion, our plan and opinion in life. I guess when was the last time what I'm saying, when was the last time that you read the word of God? Now, listen, that you read the word of God, that it shook you so deeply that it changes your opinion. When was the last time that you read the word of God and it shook the foundations of who you are to the point that you started planning your life differently? And it made a long-term effect in your life. I was looking at Steve, one of the, the, the co-founders of Amor Ministry. He was sitting over here earlier and, and I said, what would have happened if Steve had not listened to God when he said, I have a plan, it is Amor Ministries. And now they, they, they build like 400 homes a year for people that have no homes. 
And, and what if Steve had not listened to the word of God and it did not affect his plans in life? When was the last time that you read the word of God and you allowed it to change your opinion? I mean, your opinion, you know, Tony Miller's opinion, the opinion that maybe my family has had for years or or maybe the opinion that the church in jail. I mean, when was the last time we read the word of God and allowed the power of the word to begin to shape our opinion and plan of who we are becoming as believers? Amen. Because you see, it's saying if the word is to be our delight, that it's going to affect us. It's going to be an action thing in our life. It's going to it's going to be something that influences our process. The word of God does that. And when it influences our process and we begin to hear, hey, this is this is what God's will is. Then we have what we have spiritual blessings. As we see in Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. So spiritual Blessings begin to leap to life because, you see, it's the word that is shaping us, not the outside influences. It is the word of God that is shaping us and is having an effect on us and is affecting the processes of life. Amen. So how do we connect with God? Meditate upon the word. That's the the second. The third idea is this. How do we connect with God? Give God. Now, hang on. Give God your unconfessed sins. Give God your unconfessed sins. And, and maybe this may not be that popular to understand that. I understand that, 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 you know, we really want things to, you know, make us feel good. And we can walk away and say, oh, wow, I'm inspired. But we're saying we want to be connected with God. I, I'm assuming that is why we've come to church today, because you want to connect with God. And you see what scripture teaches us is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. To purify us or to cleanse us from our wrongs, from our sin in life. And so how does that happen? What is the process? We give to him our unconfessed sins. And maybe your unconfessed sin is a vice. Maybe your unconfessed sin is a spirit of, of, of bitterness that's become kind of divisive. Maybe your unconfessed sin is, it, it, it is something that only you know about. But man, I, I, it seems like God, he works through a tender heart. Have you noticed that? That God, he really works through sometimes a heart that is broken. And there's this, this tenderness that, that is part of the experience when God is moving in us and changing our lives. You know, I know that the enemy does not want you to understand any of this because really the scripture identifies him as a liar. John chapter 8 says... That Satan is a liar, always has been a liar, always will be a liar. And so he, who is the author of chaos, will want you to be convinced that maybe there's no need for confession. But by the way, if you're perfect, would you come up and introduce yourself to me after the service today? I mean, seriously, I want to, I want to, I want to shake your hand if you're perfect. After the service, I'd like to meet you. I had one guy after the first service, he came up and said, Pastor, I, I just want to let you know, he had his hand out, um, I'm perfect, and I'm a perfect idiot. (laughs) Amen. Give God your unconfessed sin. That's the third idea. The fourth idea is participate in his kingdom. Prayer and confession, salvation. Participate in the kingdom. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. 
I'll be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. To participate in the kingdom and what God is doing in the kingdom and through the kingdom. And, and then, then, then there are these kingdom eyes that we have. And we have kingdom heart because God has filled us. And, and really, I, I think what he's trying to teach us here is that, that when we are connected with the Father, then something happens that maybe has not happened before. And that is, we begin to want to do the will of the Father. Not Tony Miller's will. Not the family's will. Not the nation's will. Not the world's will. We start wanting to do the will of the Father. Amen. And in fact, the scripture outlines that for us. Jesus says in Mark 3.35, Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now think about that one for a while. If he is my brother or sister and mother... Then what do you do? If you're his brother, sister, mother, what are we going to do? We're going to do the will of the Father. In fact, you see, logic tells us that the grateful heart, we're grateful for salvation. The grateful heart will do the will of the Father. I told you this was simple. The grateful heart will do the will of the Father. Why do we want to do the will of the Father? Because we're a grateful heart. Amen. And so the grateful heart will have no divisiveness. Why? Because we want to do the will of the Father. Why? Because we have a grateful heart. You see, the grateful heart that wants to do the will of the Father, then now they are pursuing the spirit of reconciliation. And it's reconciliation with the Father, or maybe with our brothers and sisters, or whomever it might be, but we desire reconciliation. Why? Because we want to do the will of the Father. Amen. And when we get connected to the Father and we get connected with God, life begins to change. Why? Because God wants to be connected with you. God wants to be connected with you. There is something about connection. In fact, it's the most natural thing in the world. To be connected. To want to be connected. I, I want to kind of wrap this up with a, a story about about Fred, let's call him Fred. And uh, Fred was a man that that had been invited to uh, my friend's church. Uh, my my friend and his wife went to seminary with Heidi and I, and we were friends in seminary. And we left, and we all started pastoring. And and we got back together some years later. And 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 my friend, who's a Nazarene pastor, told me about their experience of Fred. He told him about Fred that they'd met someplace in the grocery store or somewhere, and and he kind of was a disheveled looking guy and. He kind of was a little bit socially awkward. They noticed that right off. But still, they felt that God had put him in their path and they invited him to come to church. And so, so Fred came to church. He was by himself. In fact, he arrived on a Sunday night. He came late. He came late. The service had already started. And then he left early. And then finally he came on a Sunday morning. He came late and he left early. In fact, this went on for like three or four months. And, and, and this pastor tried to get to him. But he was always gone before he could get to him and greet him and shake his hand. And this went on for those months where he just kind of come late to service and leave early. And, and pretty soon they got to, to speak with him. They, they caught Fred and they were able to, you know, kind of engage as far as conversation goes. But there was something about Fred that he always would back up. I mean, he would back up. I and mean, every time the pastor tried to approach him and, you know, how pastors who want to shake hands and hug people and all that. But, but, but this guy, every time they, they approached him, he always backed up. There was always this distance. I mean, every time they tried to approach him, he would always back away and back up. And he attended church for probably three or four years. And they watched Fred come late and leave early. Watch him back up and not have any contact at all. About four years passed. What happened one Sunday is that Fred came to the altar. You see, Fred was looking for something. 
He was seeking something and probably maybe connection. Because he came to the altar and, and the pastor now went down, my friend went down and prayed with Fred. And, and that was the closest he had ever got to him as he prayed with him. And in the process, Fred kind of just poured his heart out and he began to cry. And, and that what he was seeking, he found that morning. And he invited Jesus to become a part of his life. And after he prayed through and accepted Christ and the pastor came around and he hugged Fred like this. And he was crying and he hugged. And, and then the wife came up, the pastor's wife came up and hugged Fred. And they hugged and pretty soon all the congregation... It was a small church, about 40 people. Pretty soon all the people were hugging him and loving on Fred, who had backed up and never had any contact and never touched anybody. And now they were hugging him and loving him. And he was crying. And, and they just were a little bit later in the foyer, wiping his eyes and talking. And now his heart is open. He said to the pastor, he said, you know, I've not been touched in 40 years. But that morning, he made a connection. (laughs) There's something there. There's something there. You see, we can, church, we can make the connection. We can make the connection. We can make the connection. When our heart is right, and we're open to what God wants to do, he has a plan for you. He has a call for you, Jen. He has a call for you. Let's make the connection. Let's be reconciled to God, to each other, and allow God to speak.